you're negotiating every day, whether you know it or not. You're negotiating with employees. You're negotiating potentially with your spouse or loved one. You're negotiating um, with your kids. You're negotiating with your dog to go pee outside. <laughs> Some people in the leadership world call it getting alignment, which is really like a fancy way of saying, let's come to a, a deal on how you're going to do this. Hello, and welcome to this episode of People at Work. It's Dustin, and I'll be your host today. So as always, People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. We all miss interacting with coworkers. We're all spread all over the place now, and it's easy to feel disconnected. We really want to solve that at Jostle, and that's the mission that we're on. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can head over to jostle.me and check us out. So on today's episode, I'll be chatting with Mark Raffin, who is the head of marketing at Content Callout and the host and founder of Negotiation Ninja. This is a topic I'm really looking forward to. It's about negotiation skills and how you can use them and apply them as a leader. Yeah, something I, I for sure can learn a lot about. So Mark, thank you. I'm looking forward to this one. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I think a great place to start is maybe give us a bit of your background, how you got to where you are now, and then what you're up to. Sure. So I, I run two companies. One is called Negotiations Ninja, as you mentioned, which is a negotiation training, coaching, and content company. Uh, basically, what that means is we evangelize the best negotiation practices in the world um, through either our training or through the content that we produce, which is mostly on our podcast and on social media. The other organization that I run is a company called Content Callout, which is a B2B content marketing company. And the whole idea behind that is to turn B2B organizations into thought leaders in their space. So developing thought leadership content through blogging, social media, video, memes, infographics, stuff like that. Uh, how I got started in it, I'd been in the corporate world pretty much my entire life. And then four years ago, I decided, screw it. I hate this. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. Yep. Um, and that's what started off uh, this journey. And so we started Negotiations Ninja. And then just over a year ago, we started Content Callout. Nice. And was it around that same time where you made that decision where you really dove deep into negotiations and learning more? Or was that kind of an area? It's, it's always been, it's always been in my, my roles. So I've always yeah. been in sales. I've always been in procurement throughout my entire career. Um, and I really only have a couple of skill sets that are worth talking about. <laughs> One of them was negotiation. Um, and I thought, what can I do with this? Uh, it started off as a creative endeavor, uh, just doing a blog and the podcast. And then that rolled into people reaching out and saying, hey, what about you come and do training for us? And it worked out from there. Nice. So I think hmm. negotiation and sales, one commonality as well is they, they get a bad rap sometimes. They do. Right? Um, and I think some people view negotiation as I'm going to convince people to do what I want them to do. And that's really not what it is or what the intent is at all. So I'd love to hear you maybe explain what the purpose of it is and, and why you're so drawn to it. In my definition of negotiation is the creation and extraction of value uh, between two or more parties. Mm -hmm. So negotiation is about making sure that you create and pull out and provide value in a relationship. And I think so many people view negotiation as manipulative or coercive. And there are definitely some people that do that in negotiations. Uh, and you do need to be aware of that because you need to be able to defend against that. But it's, for me, significantly more about the creation and extraction and provision of value. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll hand raise and admit I was guilty of that years ago of having that, that view before being a little bit more exposed to it. Um, 
my my exposure of course is limited but the um chris foss's book was the one that kind of opened my eyes to oh it's not actually like this and um one interesting parallel there yeah I, I love that book um one interesting parallel there is a lot of the stuff he talked about was stuff i've been taught from a leadership perspective mm. it's so open-ended questions mirroring giving people space to talk all of that um so i'd love to hear in your words maybe some of the parallels there between being a leader and helping people grow and the negotiation side. It's a really good observation because I mean, fundamentally, both things come down to communication, right? So whether it's leadership or marketing or negotiation or sales, it all comes down to your ability to communicate with someone. Mm -hmm. And so they're founded on a lot of the same principles. Now they diverge in a bunch of different areas, but a lot of it comes down to fundamentally your ability to listen to what the counterparty is wanting and needing, your ability to express what you need and want, and then discussing how you can both help each other to meet each other's needs so that you can create that additional value potentially. Uh, and I think a lot of people get stuck in the idea of, well, you know, negotiation is just for mergers and acquisitions or sales or stuff like that. When in fact, if you're a leader, as most of your listeners are, you're negotiating every day, whether you know it or not, right? You're negotiating with employees. You're negotiating potentially with your spouse or loved one. You're negotiating um, with your kids. You're negotiating with your dog to go pee outside. <laughs> like all of this is part of life. Like these are the negotiations that we live and breathe on a daily basis. Some people in, in the leadership or sort of organizational behavior world call it getting alignment, which is really like a really fancy way of saying like, let's come to a, a deal on how you're going to do this. Let's get aligned. Yeah. And in fact, right. We're saying we got to negotiate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that was a great way to kind of draw the comparison there. And for me personally, the one thing I've, I've struggled with a little bit in my career is um, having one-on-ones one with people, right? Like people mm -hmm. on your team and getting them to open up and not just talking the whole time as the leader. Uh, it's, it's tempting, right. To just have that, that conversation led by you. Um, so I'd love your thoughts on any techniques there to draw conversation and thoughts out of people who are maybe a little shy, introverted, whatever reason. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to view. I think let's dispel the word negotiation for a second. Let's not use it because I think it comes with a lot of baggage. Let's use the word conversation because we, we want to have a conversation with people. And that really starts with trying to understand who that person is and, and what they need and what they want so that you can develop something that makes sense for the quote unquote negotiation. But it yeah. all starts with conversation. And before you start any kind of conversation, if you're having a one-on-one -on -one with an employee or with a team member, or potentially you're the employee talking to someone in a leadership role, it comes down to understanding what you want to get out of the conversation, but also realizing that the conversation needs to be loose enough to let it guide you where it needs to go because you don't know. And so planning your questions ahead of time to try and understand what that person is thinking is really, really important. So let's say, for example, you're going into a conversation with an employee and you really want to get an understanding about maybe a conflict that's going on between them and someone else or what's going on in their lives because you've seen potentially something drop in the workplace or mm -hmm. performance is dropping and you need to get an assessment of what's going on. 
a really, really simple way of thinking about how you're going to start that conversation. Before you start the conversation, just write down 10 really good open-ended questions. An open-ended question is something that literally blossoms the conversation, right? Like it opens up and it starts with the words what or the word how, uh, and sometimes the word why. And I, I'll explain why it's sometimes in a second, but um, like what are the challenges you're facing? Um, how are you experiencing working from home in this COVID-19 world that we're living mm -hmm. in? Um, what are some of the challenges you're experiencing at home with kids that might be at home or managing home with a partner who's also working from home? Like those are kind of the kinds of open-ended questions that you might want to start with, mm -hmm. but planning those ahead of time and having at least 10 that you can go to is going to help you to generate the conversation that you need to be able to actually have a conversation. Because if you ask a closed-ended question, which either ends in a yes or a no, like, did you do this? Yes, yeah. no. Then that conversation is not going to go very far. Uh, so planning the questions ahead of time helps you to account for building the conversation. Then the next thing that you need to do is think when that person gives you an answer, listen to what they're actually saying. And I know it sounds sort of like super fundamental and really I mean, obvious, but so many people think about the next question that they're gonna ask yeah. before actually listening to the person that they don't actually hear what the person is saying or more importantly, when it comes to interpersonal relationships between employees and leaders, what the person isn't saying. Mm -hmm. Because you could ask a question that's open-ended and they could give you sort of like a roundabout answer that doesn't really answer the question. And then if you ask the next question that you've planned, you've lost the opportunity to probe on the answer. So slow down and listen to what the counterparty is saying and really probe on the answer. So if you had to ask someone, for example, what are the challenges you're facing today in the workforce and in this company with this role, whatever it might be, and the answer is, well, you know, it's difficult for everyone with COVID-19 and uh, I'm really just trying the best I can with what we've got going on. That's not really an answer, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they've, they've kind of glazed over hoping that you won't ask any more questions <laughs> because they kind of don't want to be in this position anyway. I mean, who really wants to get into that conversation with their boss? But now what you've heard is you've heard enough to be like, okay, there's obviously an issue here, mm -hmm. right? COVID-19 is an issue. Um, working from home is an issue, and now I can probe on those things. So a, an additional probing question that you can ask based on that first question you asked is, okay, help me to understand some of the challenges that you're facing with respect to COVID-19 and working from home. What's that like for you? How does, how does your day go? What does it all mean? And yeah. so now that opens the next conversation. Yeah, I, I love that. It's something we use why in the marketing world a little bit, or at least on my team to get to the root of the problem. Like, why is this working? What is the actual reason here? And that step down, I, I have a guess as to what you're going to say about why questions, but I'm going to let you explain it much better than I can. But I love that kind of drilling down and just digging in because I have been guilty of that in the past as well of thinking of my next question and realizing I got to keep this conversation going. I need something in the chamber ready to go. Um, so yeah, that that's great. And I'd love to, if you don't mind, maybe dive into the open-ended questions and why sure. using why might be a bit bit risky at certain times. I say why sometimes use why because why used incorrectly can sound quite accusatory. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's very easy as a leader to look at an employee and go, okay, why isn't this done? Yeah. And if you're the employee receiving that question, your immediate response is going to be defensive, right? Regardless of, regardless of what the reason is, doesn't matter what the reason is, you're immediately going to feel like you're being attacked mm -hmm. um, by the person asking that question, right? So instead of that, potentially think about starting the conversation with what and how questions. And then when you ask the why question, after you've asked some of that other stuff and you've gotten a flavor for what's potentially going on, other than asking the why, you can then ask the question if you don't get a legitimate answer is, okay, help me to understand why completing this this way was an issue. And leave it there. Don't, don't try and justify that beyond that, but help me to understand that. And so when you ask that it that way, then it becomes a lot less accusatory and they can feel free enough to be able to express something to you. It, but if you said, hey, why didn't you do this? Like I told you to do this. Why didn't you do this? Like that, yeah. that immediately is going to put someone on edge. So just be very cautious of how you use the word why. Yeah, I like that. It was a subtle thing, but just adding help me understand. It, yes. it kind of puts you on the same side of the table a little bit, I think. Yeah, and nice. I, I think it softens it quite a bit. And it helps them to understand that you're not you're not, this isn't a witch hunt, right? Like yeah. you're not seeking an opportunity to basically string them up. Um, this is an opportunity for you to understand because maybe it's not them. Maybe it's mm -hmm. you, right? As the yeah. leader, maybe you didn't give clear enough instructions. Maybe you didn't support them enough. Maybe the team wasn't there to be able to support them. Maybe you didn't have the tools so that they could actually be able to do the job properly. There could be a bunch of different reasons. So for you to automatically default to thinking that it's the employee's fault, maybe it's not that. Maybe yeah. you need to do a little bit of extra work to be able to identify what's actually going on. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's great. And I think on the topic of maybe coming across accusatory or in the wrong way, the, the word choice is definitely part of it. But I think the the tonality and the oh yeah the facial expressions and body language is is even more important possibly. So I'd love your thoughts. Okay, I'm gonna ask two questions at once. One on that and how important that is, and also on maybe how COVID has changed it because we aren't face to face with each other all the time. Yeah, this is an excellent question because it's it's less important what you say and more important how you say it. I don't know, many of your listeners may have been in a situation where they're together with their partner and their partner says, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. <laughs> if you've ever received those words, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That's because tone matters. It's not just the words that we use, it's how we use those words. So if I'm at home and my wife says to me, oh, honey, you did this? I'm going to be like, wow, yeah, I did. Good for me, right? Like I'm super stoked. Or honey, you did this? Yeah. That's a totally different message and a totally different tone. So when you approach a conversation with an employee, you've got to think about very carefully about the tone that you want to express with them when you're having that conversation. Now, if it's something that you've spoken with them about repeated times, and this is a continuing issue, and you've already tried to address it several different ways, then obviously your tone potentially is going to be a lot harsher, and, and that's potentially warranted. Mm -hmm. However, if this conversation hasn't happened before, and this is the first time this is coming up, soften the tone. 
come in with a more exploratory, understanding, empathetic tone, because what you need is information. And if you need information from the employee, the fastest way to lose any opportunity to get that information is to come off aggressive. So you need to soften your tone to get that information. So that, that answers one part of your question is the, the tone that you're, you're having in that conversation. Now, how do we deal with this in today's day and age where we're not in person so that there's a real loss of reading of body language and all that kind of stuff? Try as best you can to have conversations over Zoom. And you can set up your Zoom in a way that you can actually see the person's head and potentially hide your face from your own screen you're actually focusing on what that person is saying and ask them to do the same thing, run them through a tutorial so that they can see your face and see your facial expressions and all the rest of it so that you can actually see what's going on. Worst case scenario, if you can't do that, you don't have access to any kind of video conferencing software, which is insane. Nobody, <laughs> that, does, that does, doesn't happen in the modern world. Yep. Um, then at least have a decent phone conversation where the tone is managed on a lot because if you send something over text or over email, it could be misconstrued, uh, misunderstood. I mean, how many times have you received a text from someone where you thought, what the heck, right? Like, why, why would this is so angry? Like, why is this person so angry? And you go to them and you're like, hey, wh what the heck? Like, I thought, I thought we were good. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, your text, it's just, it's so angry. And they're like, what? I don't have, no, that's not what I meant, right? Because text doesn't convey emotions. And unless yeah. you're super great with emojis, which no one is, <laughs> then, then you're going to potentially have that message misconstrued. So have as much conversation over voice or video conference as you can. And I think that that has to become a conscious decision yes. as well. It's just so easy sometimes to, oh, something popped in my mind. I'm going to send a message. Whereas maybe you don't want to jump the gun and send that message. Because like you said, if even putting punctuation in the wrong place could completely oh, yeah. cause it to be misunderstood, right? So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I love the, the concept you mentioned before of having 10 questions ready and prepping a little bit. One thing I do want to ask though is negotiation, just communication in general is a skill. You have to develop it. And it's great when you can prep, but how, like sometimes you can't. It's just this ad hoc conversation that, sure. that pops up. So I guess how would you recommend people kind of keep their skills sharp and be able to handle it more fluidly. Yeah. I mean, not, a, I don't think enough can be said about how important it is to practice negotiation because it, it is, as you mentioned, it is a skill. It's mm -hmm. a skill set. There are reams of books and resources available to you to help sharpen that skill set, get you better at communication, get you better at reading body language. All of that is super important. There are situations where these sort of ad hoc negotiations come up or conversations come up where someone asks you for something that you weren't necessarily expecting, right? Like you're having a, a conversation with an employee and then all of a sudden he's like, and by the way, I also need a raise and this is what I'm looking for. You're like, well, shit, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really ready to have this conversation right now. And that's exactly what you should do. You should pause that conversation until you are ready. So there's, it's okay to take a break, right? It's okay to say, look, I'm not prepared to have this conversation right now. 
I need to do some additional work on my end to determine what my response is going to be and do some additional research. Can we put this conversation off until the time that I'm ready? Let's chat next week or next couple of days or whatever it might be. It's okay to make that happen. Better to do that than to go into a negotiation where you're not necessarily as prepared as you would like. And then you agree to something that doesn't necessarily make sense. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a position that's bad for you. They're in a position that's bad for them. And neither of you have done each other any justice. So just ask them to pause. Let's have it that. Can we have that as a separate sidebar conversation? Now that I know this is a need of yours, it'll help me to prepare. And then we can have that conversation. Yeah, I, I think that makes a ton of sense because it's easy to just freeze up and then <laughs> say the wrong answer. And they likely came into it prepared, right? They're, they have a bit of an advantage there knowing this is something they wanted to talk about. So sure. I like that. That could be something a little hard to phrase. I think you did a great job of it. But some people might just be uncomfortable saying, oh, let's reconvene at another time because they might, I don't know, feel they're pushing it off or brushing it off. So how in situations like that, where you have to tell someone, no, not right now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to handle that in a smooth way. Yeah. Recognize that what someone is asking you may be important to them, even if it's not important to you. Yeah. So, and even if it's not like priority number one for you, it's, it might actually be priority number one for them. And in any kind of leadership position, you need to be you need to empathize enough to be able to recognize that. And this comes with practice and, and volume and time, but a, a lot of it comes from just being able to recognize that if they brought it up, then it, it might be important. The easiest way to deal with that kind of a situation when it comes up is, I'm so glad that is, this is the scripting. I will give you the exact scripting. I'm so glad that you brought this up. I recognize that this is really important to you and I want to be, in a position to do it as much justice as humanly possible, because this is so important to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not prepared to have that conversation right now because I haven't done enough work on my end to be able to be prepared enough to make sure I'm giving my full attention to you. Would yeah. it be more appropriate for us to have this conversation at another time? Yes, no, move the conversation on from there. Yeah, no, I think that was great, especially the final ask as well it's would it be appropriate kind of gives them a control in it as well. So it's not just right. Yeah. Which, which yeah. is great. So it gives them the whole perception of like, yes, I mean, obviously it's going to be more appropriate for us to have a conversation where I've got your focus. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Mark, I could talk forever about this. It's a topic I, I want to learn more about. So I'll definitely be checking out your podcast. I do want to make sure our listeners can, can go and if this sparked their interest, learn more. So do you mind maybe sharing where they can learn more about you and your companies? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest place to go for negotiation advice tips is straight to our podcast, wherever you listen to shows, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever it may be, just search Negotiations Ninja in the search bar. It'll bring it up. That's the easiest place to go. If you want to find us online, you can go to our website or I'm very available on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. Um, I'll share all those in the player description as well. So for our listeners, you can find them there. But again, I enjoyed that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do me one quick favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star review? It helps others discover the podcast, and we love reading the reviews. 
If you haven't already subscribed, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening.